Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the European show. I I hope you enjoyed the, the special episode we released yesterday or, or today for us as as it, as it was something that I enjoyed myself and I, I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I also hope that you, you stick around for, for this one as well. As we do hope to, as we grow, have more more guests like that and on our, on on the podcast as well. And so today, I instead of a special guest, I'm joined by Nick again. Insinuating I'm not special, but no matter. <laughs> Welcome back, anyways. We're going to start straight away with the Coppa Italia, as one of the high-profile matches in the Coppa Italia was Inter versus Juventus in a game that finished 2-1 to Juventus. But this is the first leg, with the, with the next leg being played ne- next week as well. So Inter do have a chance to turn it around. But in this game, in, Inter, Inter Milan actually took a, an early lead through Lautaro Martinez, who is looking like he is finally in form after a very streaky past few games. Apart from that early goal, Inter Milan's defence just crumbled. After Ashley Young gave away a penalty after fouling Juan Cuadrado, and that allowed Ronaldo to equalise. And then in the most probably bizarre event of the night was Samir Handanovic decided to come and chase after a ball which he had no reason to, and that left him miles out of his goal. Ronaldo then wins the ball back and slots the ball away from quite far out, but it was an open goal, and to give Juventus the second goal. And it was a bit embarrassing for Inter, really, after they had such a strong performance against Juventus a few weeks back as well. Yeah, to, to be fair, I, I think it's really weird. I, it, it was just, I, I don't understand it. Handanovic, one of the most inexperienced, and in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. And then Bastoni, who, yeah, he's very young and is is, is still quite an experienced, but also a really good defender. In a cup semi-final, they just left the ball hanging there against Ronaldo, literally, debatably, the best striker in the world. And and you, you can't do that. I, I don't understand why they would just win. It's a, it's a cup semi-final. You have to be concentrated. You've got to know what's going on. Just one of them just had to boot it, do something. I thought it was ridiculous, and the, the way that they gave that that goal away. I do think from what from Inter's performance, they were missing Lukaku, who will be back for the for the next game. He was just suspended for the yellow card he got against Milan. But there were some of the chances that Inter Milan had that you would normally back on Lukaku scoring himself, but the the players they had on the pitch weren't as clinical as he is or ruthless in a way. And and that obviously costed them as well and, and allowed Juventus to to win as they themselves had a clinical striker in, in Ronaldo. So at the weekend, Inter Milano against Fiorentina, it's it normally this would be a game that you could would think Inter would struggle with, but I I I think unless their defence decides not to show up again, this should be a game where Inter Milan easily breeze by the opposition. But for Juventus, however, they've got a bit of a tough game against Roma in, in a game which is fourth versus third. And with a win, Juventus can can go into third, while Roma will 
will just close the gap on Milan and Inter if they win. And so in, in the previous game, which only happened a few weeks ago, Juventus came out 2-1 winners. But I do think Juventus will probably win this one again as they're finally looking back in their stride and and in form again and are not looking as as poor defensively and attacking-wise as, as they were a few weeks ago when we would say, oh, oh they rely too much on Ronaldo and etc. Do, do you think... Uh, Juventus have finally pulled it together and they're able to push for something such as possibly the Scudetto or would you say they're still out of the title race? Yeah, it, it does look like, like they've started pulling pulling it together and, and they look more coherent and, and just, yeah, it's that they're just a lot less messy and, and just getting more confident with every match. But I would say that at this point in the season, it's too late for them to realistically try and reclaim, re- reclaim the, their title as champions. The, the only way in which that would be realistically possible would be if Inter or AC Milan really just like slipped up so, so hard. Because it, it's not just that Juve are behind just one team, just chasing this one team for, 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 the, for the first spot. It, it's, it's AC and Inter who are pretty far ahead of them and both like really just the ones that are just trying to get the title. So I would say, yeah, it's, it's good that Juve have looked at looked at the ways in which to fix their mistakes and their and and they're really just Pirlo is finally structuring his team into the way he wants it however he should have done that a lot earlier and at this point in the season the, the best they can hope to win is is the Coppa Italia and if they go a little bit crazy maybe the Champions League but realistically just the Coppa Italia I, I do think you have to give Pirlo some sort of leeway because obviously this is his first managerial job so of course it would have taken time for him to be able to in, instill his his philosophy and how he wants his players to play. But as it's fine, yeah, yeah. it took him a few months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I don't completely blame Perlo for this. As you're right, it is his first managerial job, and yeah, also Milan and Inter have looked so strong this season. It, it and as and as you said, it's Perlo's first first job as manager. It's reasonable that he didn't quite get up to a perfect start. Even though he's still done an all right job, and one of Pillar's ex teams, Milan, against twentieth place Crotone, so I imagine Milan should easily win this game. And then the other Coppa game, we're not really going to talk about it because it, it finished nil nil between Atalanta and Lazio. So there's not really anything to talk about. But next week, as I said, that's when the next, that's when the second legs are. So keep keep an eye for them. But I I'm not a fan of second of double-legged games and the competition which changed this was the Copa del Rey and I think it's safe to say that the switch from two-legged ties to single-legged ties have have improved the Copa del Rey so much and so that's what we're going on to next where Granada had an amazing game against Barcelona which finished 5-3 to Barcelona but it, it didn't look that promising for Barcelona for the majority of the game. Yeah, that's very true. Barcelona played a lot better than Granada. Like that, that's got to be said. Just, just throughout the whole game, they dominated, and and they were sh- taking shots at goal all the time, all the time. The Granada goalkeeper just generally pulled out a really great performance. Also, some bad luck came into play with Griezmann and De Jong and Mbele hitting the post like five times or six times or something. It was crazy. And then the the really unlucky part 
came in when when Umtiti just was the worst player on the pitch. He 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 made a mistake to let in the the first goal, and then and then when Soldado, thirty five year old Soldado, who is not fast at all, breaks away, Umtiti somehow couldn't catch him, and then he just went on goal and scored the two nil. So Barcelona were definitely unlucky in in the first eighty seven minutes of the game, and then they and then they got their their reward for their good play when Griezmann just stuck his foot out to, to catch a, a wayward ball and the Granada goalkeeper was basically caught sleeping. He he wasn't paying attention. And and when the when this wayward ball that that Griezmann deflected, it hit the post and it just it, and then from the post it just bounced off the goalkeeper's leg and into the goal. It it, it is a bit of a shame to see that a small team like this that was managing a, a feat against a big team was was knocked out in such a stupid way. But at the end of the day Barcelona played much better than Granada, as, as I've said multiple times, and and then and then of course, incredibly enough, with just five five or so minutes remaining, Barcelona managed to to equalize, and and then and then in the final, and then in in, in in extra time, Barcelona played probably their best thirty minutes of football all season. Everyone was good, especially especially Griezmann, who I have, in my opinion, correctly criticized for not like living up to what he should be in in these 30 minutes he was genuinely amazing he was exactly what what any Barca fan would have wanted him to be just confident quick creative and, and just taking shots and laying laying good balls to his teammates everywhere and really it was down to to him being so good that Barcelona scored three in this in this extra time with with goals from from him Frankie de Jong and Jordi Alba who also was absolutely excellent after that Jordi Alba second goal was it was insane. Something else. <laughs> He's been having such a damp season as well, and I didn't really expect much from him. And then, as you said, it was gorgeous. Anyone who hasn't seen it, I, I recommend you watch it. It's really, really good. So yeah, that that concluded the um, the match, and and Barca will be very, very glad that they managed to survive this tie and we'll have to see who they join the next round. Do you think this performance from Barcelona is a, is a one-off? So, for example, in the next game, they're just going to collapse again and play terribly? Or do you think that they can build on this and actually start playing well and looking very convincing as well, especially with the Champions League coming back? I'm fairly confident that that this should be that this is a, a a bit of a turning point, shall we say, in which they realize what they need to do. They grab the confidence to motivate themselves and and really see just how good they can be. And then and then I th- I think that yeah, this is a, a point where where they will, where where they'll only improve. But of course, Barcelona has been a little bit strange this season. So you're right; they could just fall down and collapse. But the the way I see it. Because because we've also seen this with Griezmann, this the all of January he was just beginning to score goals. He wasn't playing particularly well, but he'd get himself in the right positions and just stick his foot out sometimes, get a goal. And one time he scored a very nice goal as well, and he's been building on this confidence and he's slowly been getting better. I think that's going to start happening to the to the team as a whole. And is some safe to say Samuel Titi had a bit of a shit game with being at fault for the first goal and then just being quite poor throughout. Do you think they've got a, a solid replacement in Roland Aranjo, who, who has been looking quite good in the past few games as well? I like Araujo. He's a, he's a pretty decent centre-back. And when he goes up to attack, he's always fun to watch because he's 
He used to be a striker. He began he began his days in the academy as a striker. There yeah. were po- positions he got into against Granada where he did look like he seemed to be a bit too high up for a central defender. He was in the opposition box quite a few times. Yeah, exactly. That's my thing with, with Araujo. I, I, I like watching him because he's entertaining. He's not that good of a defender. He, he, don't get me wrong. He, he is pretty decent. And he is certainly better than, than Umtiti. But I think it would be more interesting if, if he was played as some kind of... Maybe with three at the back, so he just had permission to roam more, a little bit like Upamecano. Or maybe as a bit of a defensive midfielder, so he just has this license to go up when he wants. Because I, th- I feel like if he's just in a, in a two-man centre-back pairing, he, I, I, as you said, he goes up a lot, leaves spaces. And, he, and as a defender, he does often just sometimes make some small mistakes, is a little bit out, out of position. So he really needs either more support and just more permission to roam, really. That's the way I see it. And now we'll look at the rest of the couple of results. Uh, Real Betis play Athletic Bilbao when, when we're recording this tonight, so obviously we don't know the the result. But I imagine that'd be quite an interesting game to watch as well. But Levante played Villarreal and won 1-0. But they scored in the 121st minute, and it meant that they qualified for the semi-finals in the Copa del Rey for the first time since 1935, which is great. And you could see what it meant to all the players as well at the end of the game when, when they were celebrating. And so for Levante, that, that's capped off a great week. First, they beat Real Madrid and then they're through to the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey. Our favourites, Sevilla, beat Almira 1-0. Most importantly in this game is the fact that Alejandro Gomez made his, made his debut. It wasn't the worst debut, but it wasn't the best either. Though. It was kind of just an average debut. But I imagine when he gets used to the system that Lopetegui is playing, he will he will grow and he'll stop being the game changer that, that he is for Sevilla. And so at the weekend, Real Madrid are playing Cuesca with the most notable admission from Real Madrid being Eden Hazard, who has sadly got injured yet again. And it is it's it's sad that that we're not going to be able to see really the we're not going to be able to see how good Hazard is because he keep, keeps getting injured. Yes, there's flashes of it, but then he'll get injured again, and then and then you it'll take him a while to get match fit again. And it's a shame that he's so injury prone. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is gen- genuinely a shame because I, I thought he he was playing quite well recently, and it. Not quite the previous match, but the match before that, he was genuinely very good, like very, very good. As if in, like I saw him and I was like, "Wow, this is beginning to look like Chelsea Hazard, like a player that is like understandably like okay." I I see why Ramjer paid 160 million for him, and and then and then he just got injured again. It, it, it's the joke, isn't it, that that Real Madrid thought that they were gonna replace Ronaldo with with Hazard, but instead they've just replaced Bale. He he just can't go, just just can't go five six games without getting just well breaking, and and then it's just he, he he loses his his confidence and his practice just being out so long. Atletico Madrid against Celta Vigo, with Atletico probably having a COVID outbreak in their squad. Currently, right now, João Felix and Moussa Dembele are, are both out with COVID. But obviously, with stuff like this, you you don't know whether it's still within the squad and more people may have it, and it, but it's just undetected. And finally, 
Barcelona are against Real Betis in in what I've wrote down as a pick of pick of the games really, as it is as obviously Barcelona playing quite well, so are Betis themselves, and so it'd be interesting to see how how this game pans out really. So we're going to have a break and then we'll be back with the Bundesliga and Liga. Welcome back. We're going to start with Germany, where the Deutsche Pokal is producing a lot of surprises. So obviously in the previous weeks, you had Bayern Munich losing to Holstein Kiel on penalties. This week, that was topped as Rot Weiss-Essen, a fourth-tier team from, from Essen, beat Bayer Leverkusen 2-1. And so this is another great upset in, in the Deutsche Pokal. And Leverkusen are on Essen's hit list of Bundesliga teams that they've beat now. But it, it, it was a heroic win for Essen. As throughout the whole game, it was a back backs against the wall defending where Leverkusen were just piling on the pressure all the time. And Essen's goalie had, had such a great game, making so many crucial saves to keep them in the game. And it looked like it was all it was all over when Leon Bailey scored the first for Leverkusen. But somehow Essen managed to managed to attack and and they did it twice as well with surprisingly through the counter and it was just a great fairy tale to watch that the fourth tier team are in the quarterfinals of of the Deutsche Pokal and are one step closer to going to Berlin. Brissy Dortmund were playing Paderborn and beat them three two. But it was Dortmund nearly screwed it up for themselves. It so it Edin Terzic started a strong Dortmund team and, and it proved when they took a 2-0 lead early on. But then Paderborn managed to get one back and then right at the end of the game, Paderborn had a penalty appeal, which wasn't given by the ref. Dortmund win the ball back, proceed to go on the counter with Erling Haaland scoring the supposed, supposed third goal to, to, set, to set it for Dortmund, make them comfortable winners. But then the goal was disallowed and a penalty was given to Paderborn where Paderborn equalised to make it 2-2 and take it to extra time. But then Erling Haaland proceeded to score the winner in extra time and, and Dortmund progressed. But it, it is looking worrying for Dortmund that they nearly lost to a, to a quite a, to quite a poor Paderborn side really. And so it isn't looking that promising for them for the next coming games and they may be seen as a target by more lower division teams but and 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 it does really mean that they may not be considered favorites as they are prone to issues like this and with buying out of the tournament I do think this is a wide open competition now RB Leipzig beat Bochum 4-0 Wolfsburg beat Schalke 1-0 Second division Regensburg beat Cologne. Cologne having a disastrous season on penalties after two to draw. But most importantly, Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Stuttgart two one. And obviously, of course, I would say this, but Gladbach are looking 
I would say that one of the favourites to to win the Deutsche Pokal, along with probably Leipzig and Dortmund, they they Gladbach can beat both Leipzig and Dortmund as well. So I I would consider Gladbach one of the favourites. Yeah, absolutely. I I fully fully agree with the with with the usual titans of of Bayern Munich, obviously, and now another big challenger in Bayer Leverkusen being knocked out. It's really up to to those three main teams, which you, which you mentioned, Leipzig, Gladbach, and Dortmund, to to duke it out for for the DFB Pokal. Unless there's a surprise in in some underdog team, just rising up and snatching it from them. But out of those three, I I, I clearly see Dortmund as as currently the weaker side. We've just been seeing it all season long, and we've been criticizing them, and and they've just been showing how unreliable they can be. So I would definitely say that that they're the least likely and and, and to, to win. But of course, of course, it's not like it's impossible for them. It would just be surprising for them to take the title. And then I see Leipzig and Gladbach pretty even. Like yes, we we've seen Gladbach can be can beat Leipzig, but in in a single match, it's difficult to to predict which way it'll go. So so for me, I I think if these two see each other in the final, it will be quite intense and a very exciting game to see. And now looking towards the weekend. Uh, the biggest game in the Bundesliga is probably Mönchengladbach versus Cologne in the Rhine derby. As I said before, Cologne are having a terrible season and are languishing just above the relegation zone. While Mönchengladbach are looking to push back into the top four after they've had a strong run of results and have been unbeaten in the previous few games. And it, it isn't looking promising for Cologne with Marcus Thuram and Alisson Player both having a great game against Stuttgart. And are looking looking sharp as well, especially Toram after his after his six game break, obviously for suspension. And so I I would strongly suggest that Borussia Mönchengladbach could probably win this, but obviously my words may come back and bite me. Bayern Munich against Hertha Berlin in in a game which I expect Bayern to easily breeze past due to the poor quality of Hertha Berlin recently, but. There is some issues within the Bayern squad. So Corentin Tolisso, who has been in the headlines recently for breaking COVID rules, he looks set to leave in the summer with with him being out of favour with Hansi Flick, either due to his footballing ability and probably his behaviour as well. And so Bayern won't, will accept anything more than twenty million. In fairness, snatching him for twenty million would be an absolute bargain. He's been out of the limelight because he hasn't been playing much, obviously, recently. But he's an extremely, extremely good player. And I think any club would want to have them, especially for that lower price. Yeah, exactly. Especially if they can help him refine his form that he had at, at Lyon. Jerome Boateng is no closer to agreeing a new contract with Bayern. So as it stands, he obviously is set to leave in the summer. Leon Goretzka and Javi Martinez are both out with COVID. And Sami Kadira could possibly make his... His Bundesliga debut for Hertha Berlin. And then obviously this is Bayern's last game before they head off to Qatar for the for the Club World Cup. But in, in other news around Bayern, they've had a a documentary series approved to be played on Amazon. And the good thing about this documentary series is it actually follows a team that has some success. As it as it is filmed throughout their treble winning campaign of last season as well as parts of this season so when it is released in autumn 
of this year. I think it's definitely going to be something to watch as it show the winning winning mentality of of a good team. Finally, Dortmund are against Freiburg. Freiburg are a team that could easily cause issues for Dortmund, especially due to their height at set pieces. And this could be an issue for Dortmund, as obviously we know how fragile they can be at stuff like set pieces. And with how Freiburg have been performing and how defensively sound they have been, this could be an issue for Dortmund, especially under new manager Edin Terzic. And in the in the previous game against Freiburg, Dortmund were outright four 0 winners. But as I said, that was under that that wasn't under Edin Terzic. And then in the other news around the Bundesliga, uh, RB Leipzig are going to have to try and find a a neutral venue to host the Champions League tie against Liverpool as as they as they, Liverpool are not allowed into Germany due to the current COVID rules in, in Germany. And so if Leipzig are unable to find a, a neutral venue, venue, the game will either be postponed to a date where Liverpool will be allowed into Germany, the games will be swapped over, or Liverpool will be handed a 3-0 victory, which is something that you don't really want to see because it kind of kills the tie already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be such a massive shame if for some reason UEFA just decided to to give Liverpool a 3-0 win because, yeah, it's definitely a problem that, that Liverpool can't directly travel to Leipzig right now, except you see the... It, there's quite a few solutions. First of all, the the, the ban on, on on travelers from the UK to Germany ends the day after the, the the day after the match, doesn't it? So, so if they just postpone the match by one day, that solves it. If if they switch the the venues around, so first they play in in Liverpool and then they play in Leipzig, that solves it. Except they they don't seem to be able to to agree on 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 these things. So so I, I really genuinely hope that that the worst case scenario doesn't happen because it it, it would just, as you said, it, it would kill the tie. And so Leipzig have until Monday to come up with some sort of a solution. On to Liga. So we released our episode on, on Monday talking about how Andre Villas-Boas could possi- possibly leave. And then on Tuesday, Andre Villas-Boas decided that he was going to leave because of the signing of Oliver Neptune to, to Marseille, in which was it? A deal that that Villas Boas didn't want and didn't approve of, uh, which annoyed him, and so he did the clearly the the, ov- the right thing and left. And so this is left, or he tendered his regna- resignation, really, should we say? And this has left Marseille in a bit of a an interesting situation, especially because of the recent events at the training ground. So who are Marseille against at the weekend? PSG. And PSG beat Nîmes three 0 in in quite an interesting game. There were goals for Angel Di Maria, Pablo Sarabia, and Mbappe. For me, the standout out of those goal scorers were was Di Maria, a, a player who I've always thought was just quite underrated, because you know playing for PSG, you're always going to get overshadowed by Neymar and Mbappe, and you know some flashier flashier talents like like Icardi and such. And, and and he's just someone who who works behind the shadows and and, and just he he has so much quality and he's always so good, and 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 he showed it today. He hadn't scored for a while actually, 
oh, he's been over 10 games with both club and country since he since he scored a goal. And so he he finally got himself onto the score sheet. But just overall, he, he just like the rest of the season, really, he's just been dangerous, dribbling, crossing very, very well. He's just fast and slippery and creates so much danger. Who, who was your man of the match, would you say? None of them. Because PSG didn't deserve to win. If you, if you, if you believe in something like XG, which is for the statistical nerds out there and the, the modern-day football fan, uh, PSG had an XG of 1.65 to Nîmes 2.02. So it was a game where PSG, you could argue, were lucky to win if you believed in that. But obviously, if you don't, then obviously PSG deserve to win. Yeah, football is played on the pitch, not on paper. If they score three goals, they score three goals. It's fine. And so, as I said before, PSG against Marseille at the weekend, and it's it's definitely it's definitely going to be an interesting game. One because of the previous encounters of the teams this season, as well as the off the pitch situations as well with. With Marseille obviously having their issues and PSG just genuinely being poor defensively. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting game to see and it's another hurdle for PSG to see if they are able to overcome something like this. Lille played Bordeaux and won 3-0. And this was a game where Lille were so much more convincing than normally. Yes, they did struggle in the first half and Mike Magnon made some great saves to keep out Bordeaux. But after half-time, as soon as Yusuf Yuzici scored the first goal of the game, it was all Lille. And Lille managed to finally show that they are slowly growing into being title favourites, it could be. And it's great when you have young players such as Timothy Weyer and Jonathan David both finally finding their feet. And so it'd be great to see if Lille can capitalise on something like this against Nantes at the weekend and hope that Mar- that Marseille takes some points off PSG to extend the lead at the top as well. Finally, second-placed Lyon played Dijon and won 1-0. It was a bit of a, a, a grinded-out win for Lyon. Lucas Paqueta had scored the only goal of the game for Lyon. Dijon did cause some issues, but then also Lyon dealt with it quite comprehensively. While also the Dijon goalie had a great game, apart from obviously the one goal that was saved. So we're going to have a, a goal song break now, and then we'll be back with the best of the rest. Welcome back from our goal song break where we decided to go for the Rijeka goal song, which is obviously, if you don't know, a team in Croatia. So, Nick, what would you rate the Rijeka goal song music? Yeah, it's quite good. It's, it's not one of the... It's, it's not like a super common song. 
that, that you hear very often around football, but it, it's good, it's energetic. I like it. That's a solid solid 8 out of 10 for me. I'm going to go for a 5. I didn't really like it, but you win some, you lose some. So we're first going to start in Portugal, where Sporting, who, who we talked about before, a young up-and-coming team and are and are flying at the top of Liga Nos. It's, it's Braga versus Porto, which is second versus third. And Porto will be hoping they can keep the momentum up with Sporting as they're lagging a few points behind, who are, as I said, they're slowly pulling away at the top as well. And Braga themselves are third, uh, but there's a sizable gap between Porto and Braga. So if Braga win, it doesn't really affect Porto's positioning, whereas if Porto win, it hopefully brings them closer towards... um, Closer towards Sporting in Belgium. Genk are against Anderlecht in in a game which normally you would consider oh it's a top of the table clash. It's it's for it's this is for the title. It it's gone into a point that Club Bruges have pulled so pulled so far ahead that it's now really a race to for the European spots. As you slow, as we're slowly approaching the playoff section of the of the Belgian Pro League, it's looking less and less likely that a team will be able to win the league due to the quality of Bruges. So Anderlecht are one of the teams just outside the top four, and will be looking to try and push themselves into the top four as Champions League places are up for up for grabs. And with a young team that Vincent Company has, any Champions League experience for that is is vital, especially because Anderlecht, who used to be the giants of Belgium, have slowly fallen off in recent years. And and you can give us a, a bigger insight on this player, but someone who I've seen play live several times and seems to have found his home in Belgium is Christian Benevente, who you would probably think, oh, why are you mentioning him? Well, he made a deadline day move back to Charleroi, where he's gone back for a second time. Yeah, as you said, he's made his home in Belgium. That's honestly the only place where he's really been a good player because for the Peruvian national team, he hasn't really performed. When he got himself a move to Nantes, he didn't really perform in Ligue 1. And then he, he's, been, he's been around at Pyramids FC, maybe Mexico a bit as well. He wasn't really great. So both for Charleroi and for Benavente, a move back, a move back to to Belgium is really, really great, because hopefully he will, he will be able to shine again. Because at one point he was one of the best players in the Jupiler Pro League, so it will be great to see him again. And when I used to go watch Charleroi, he was always one of the standout players within the team, and it'd be great to see him back there. And maybe he could help Charleroi push into Europe themselves and bring some football to the shit out of Charleroi. Finally, in in Turkey, Mesut Özil made his debut in Fenerbahce's recent game, and actually, funnily enough, had an involvement in in Fenerbahce's second goal. And so it be that was an appearance off the bench, but it'd be interesting to see whether he can make his full debut against Galatasaray, which is a big game in Turkey normally, but it's even bigger in the context of this year as. It is first versus second. And Fenerbahce themselves are obviously pushing for a, for a title. And I do think with us and with Fenerbahce have the upper hand as well as they are top. And I do think with Ozil in the team, 
Fenerbahce may be able to edge it. And I'm sure you'll be looking forward to this after how much you enjoyed watching Fenerbahce versus Besiktas as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've really gotten a, a good enjoyment for, for, Turkish, for Turkish football. And I always also really, really enjoy watching Mesut Ozil. So if I can watch both, my, my day will be made. So, yeah, this is definitely a match I'm looking forward to. It's going to be exciting. And once again, shame that there's no crowd, obviously. But it, it's going to be a cracker anyways. So th- this is a game I'm looking out and I'm looking forward to 100%. And I would recommend anyone listening to also just j- j- just check it out. It's, it's going to be amazing. And no matter what, there's no way this game is going to be boring. No company has the rights to Turkish football in England or wherever you are. I, 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 I was actually going to say that, but are we legally allowed to promote? Uh... I'll find a way to blow what I said out and then. So that's it for today. Uh, this is probably a bit shorter than normal, but we thought you had another. We treated you with another special and, and an extra episode in a week. So. You can deal with the shorter one normally. So yeah, help us push us push us into the above Manchester United podcast. And yeah, we please follow us, like us, share us, rate us, whatever. And yeah, we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>